0: Reading is just a habit you got to form in all of life. Books don't change people's sentences. Reading, good, solid, reform, spiritual literature, reading, especially the classics, that's had the biggest impact on my life. Well good, good. well, good day and welcome to another episode of the Reformers Bookcast, a podcast hosted by Reformers Bookshop. My name's Tom Eglinton, the manager here at Reformers, and today we are joined on a call from uh, by Dan Durrani. Thanks for joining us, Dan.
1: Yeah, good to be with you.
0: Did I pronounce your surname right? Uh,
1: you, you were reasonably close. Uh, Doriani. Doriani, it's a, there we go. It, it's a stage name from my grandfather who was an opera singer, so we don't get too fussy about it.
0: Uh, it's, I, it's I read a- that story. It was a fascinating story in the book, but we won't give that one away. No, we
1: won't give it away. <laughs> yeah.
0: So uh, Dan, uh, before we get into your, your well, you've written two books recently, but you've written uh, numerous books, a few commentaries and Uh, You've got another commentary coming out soon, Uh, but what we're going to talk... Sorry? I said any day. Yeah, yeah, on Romans. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, But you've written a couple of books on work, and that's what we're going to talk about today. But before we get there, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Uh, Well, um, you know, I'm a professor at a seminary, but maybe the thing that people would want to know the most for this topic is that uh, I've also been a pastor for about 20 years and uh, come from a family with uh, no money. And therefore I took every job known to humanity, you know, sort of between the age of uh, 15 and 26. So I've always had this interest. I had all these odd jobs like unloading trucks and, you know, taking care of gardens and all sorts of, you know, being a night watchman and being a doorman and Mm. coaching tennis a little and, So I had all these unusual jobs that sort of fed my interest in work. Yep. And I also was a pastor of a very large church that had people for about 10, 11 years that had a lot of diversity. You know, there were machinists, there were school teachers, there were lawyers, doctors, entrepreneurs, judges, you name it. And I just loved talking to my people about the work they did.
0: Yeah, that's that's great. And because I think – you know, historically, in maybe Middle Ages times, and even even currently, there are um, there are strands of Christianity that elevate the uh, work of a pastor or um, the work of ministry to right. some level that's above all other work. Uh, so, right. can you explain for us how work itself, non even non non spiritual work is yes, right. something that's good. What What is good work? Why is right. it good to work? Right.
1: Well, I mean, you could go back to creation, and of course, mm-hmm. creation involved work before the fall, before there was any sin, God commanded Adam and Eve to work, and that included tilling, tilling the ground and uh, growing crops, and then later on, animals, of course, and uh, subduing the earth and filling it. So to subdue the earth, uh, you know, can be taken negatively, like crushing it. But it can mean to draw out its treasures. S- subdue and tend to go together. You know, you tend mm-hmm. the garden and subdue the earth. So it's hard work. You do it's hard work to get you know minerals out of the ground that we want to do various things. But it's also we also care for the ground, and we don't we don't uh, plunder it or mm. you know tear the top off mountains so we can get coal out of them. Uh, you know, we take, we take care of it, even as we do try to extract the riches that God put in the earth. So that was, you know, that's, what does that involve? Just saying that much already involves animal husbandry, farming, transportation, you got to get food to people, metallurgy, manufacturing, implication, transportation, and marketing, uh, finances in a complex society. I think we can uh, take a fair guess that God intended complexity to occur if, if only by looking at the diversity in humans, right? Mm. And we have so many different interests and skill sets that it appears that we are um, designed by God for a variety of tasks and therefore some degree of specialization.
0: And it's fascinating so, in, in that Genesis account when, um, when the narrator is describing uh, the rivers that flow out of Eden. And he right. goes, oh, down, that, down that river you'll find gold. And down that right. river, you'll find bedilium, <laughs> yeah. and it's always like, you know, go, go down there and dig and see what happens.
1: <laughs> exactly. exactly. It's, it's, it's there. God put it there and you, you should go see what you can do with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, great. So there's this, there's this honor, there's this good thing in work itself. Now, did, did you write the book just for people who have a job? We, we tend to think of work as well. If you get paid, you're doing work or is it, is there a bigger view of work in play?
1: Yeah, so uh, I don't have the definition of work in my head at the moment, but essentially it's it's concentrated effort to accomplish a task despite obstacles. Right, and ordinarily that also means concentrated effort with a skill set and, and training. Ordinarily, uh, so clearly that has that definition, which is you know probably widely accepted, has no reference to payment, and uh, so we want to say that of course I include people who work for money. But uh, the work of a child is to play and the work uh, by, by which I mean, you know, one-year-old, a four-year-old. Yeah. 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 Um, The work of an older child is to learn, to learn how to read, to assess the world, uh, to tell the difference between a tall tale and a true report, which is one of the great things about being a dad or a granddad as you know, you and I both have progeny near us (laughs) and um, they are, are constantly working to assess, to learn things like who's reliable and who isn't. And that tires them out, right? And then of course, you know, college students and grad students, they're working, they're not paid usually. And then retired people, moms who stay at home with their kids, dads who stay at home with their kids, people who repair their own house, it's all work. Uh, The unemployed person who's trying to get a job is probably working hard to find a job. Of course, right now there are certain glitches uh, in our societies, but uh, all those things are work as long as this concentrated effort, overcoming obstacles to accomplish something.
0: And so your book speaks to all of that, um, seeks to help people understand. Well, I, I try to, you know, yeah. I even
1: uh, stuck in a few lines about chronic or difficult long-term unemployment
0: mm. uh,
1: because of course it's on our minds for the last couple of years and uh, it probably always should have been right you know, if you're unemployed, you should be working hard at things. You should be a fervent volunteer and caregiver, you know, the glue for my wife, for example, earns a little bit of money teaching about uh, 10 piano lessons a week. But her work is to care for people within about a half mile radius of our house Mm. and to care for everybody in our church that she knows who, you know, who's in a time of need. And she probably works 30 hours a week without pay at these things. So she also takes care of me, which is, I certainly (laughs) don't call that. that it's like a 60 hour a week job, isn't it? (laughs) It's the only way I get any books done. I dedicate every book to my wife and and I say, this book would not be finished without my wife. It's not a joke. I mean it. People say it, but I mean it.
0: Very good. Um, so, uh, work's good, you, and, you, and you've talked a little bit about how work fits in the creation mandate. I think we might get into that a little bit more. But you also, in your book, you talk about how it fits with re- the, the redemption story. Right. Uh, can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, I want to make sure I
1: know what, what part you're talking about. Oh, sure. But,
0: so, well, you, I mean, you talk about how, yes, good work is, stuff, is, is work that builds things and transports wow. things and all that sort of thing. But there's also another category of work. Uh, you explained that it's that's about um, dealing with the effects of sin.
1: Right. Right. So one of the things people um, people fret about is that they say, well, you know, most of the work we do is not very noble. Uh, so, you know, a policeman or a soldier or uh, maybe somebody who prevents Internet theft and so forth, think, oh, it's just worthless. I'm just fighting back against uh, wickedness. I'm not producing anything. I'm just thwarting evil. Um, you know, you could really say that all Jesus did, quote unquote, all Jesus did was thwart evil and fight back against evil. I mean, let's let's not minimize the value of uh, fighting back against the effects of sin. So, um, you know, a, a police man or woman or an officer of the peace, we might call them, uh, you know, builds order in society, and, and not only by preventing acts of violence, but also you know, taking care of traffic and and. Um, you know, an undertaker is only taking care of the consequences of death, but we can't, you know, we can't have corpses just uh, lying about and uh, dishonored. Uh, you know, it's proper to honor the dead. So there are many, many jobs that seem at first to be unimportant, but upon closer examination, they're very valuable. As I mentioned before, we got started. I was a doorman for a little while, and it was a, you know, it was it. I was in grad school and it was a great job because I could study most of the time, but I popped up. What did I do? I I opened doors and helped people who are older with their groceries. Mm -hmm. And if they were young, they wouldn't need my help, but they weren't young. They were older and they did need my help. And so it was redemptive for, it was helpful to them in their uh, relative fragility to have someone to come to the door and help them with their groceries. Mm -hmm. You know, and maybe a man was just, I don't know, wanted to show that he could get people to do his work, but they were single women also and they needed help with their groceries. And so that was beneficial. Yep. So a lot of workers like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the, I think those two things, here's a little couple of pictures that I use with my kids to try and teach them these things. I, I, um, I want them to see that they're Kings and Queens. Yes. And, and that's sort of the creation and element. Mm-hmm. And I teach my son in particular that his job is to kill the dragon and get the girl. Um, right. which is sort of that redemptive aspect. Absolutely
1: right. Um, evil is is real and we must fight back against it yeah. and ward it if, as best we can.
0: Yep. Um, one of the interesting quotes I, I found, there's lots of actually really good little quotes. It's a very punchy book work that makes a difference. Um, I, well, I work well at
1: getting sentences to be pleasant.
0: Yeah. Um, so this was one uh, Specialization thwarts the normal human desire to see the results of our labor. When people ate the food they grew and lived in homes they built, they found satisfaction in that. But with specialization, people perform tasks that represent a sliver of the productive process. So we rarely see the fruit of our labor. Um, Right. Which sort of fits with what you were talking about in terms of trying to see your work in the the bigger picture of what you're actually achieving. Um, Right. I, I trained as a chemical engineer, and wow. so it was. I, what I loved about that was that I, I started to see how the you, we drive past a, the down the down the street, and we see a, a speed sign, you know, and mm. it just struck me as I was as I was learning about chemical engineering how complex it is to get a street yep. sign onto the road.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, coatings and films and protective layers. Yeah, yeah. no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, Get them all so they bind to each other and bind to the metal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I guess the question is um, how can we help each other to see that bigger picture of what's going on?
1: Yes. Right. So first of all, that comment, which you, uh, the quotation is a little bit of a jab at Adam Smith. Okay. Who said, um, you know, people will do anything if you pay them more. And if you, want to have higher productivity, all you have to do is train people to get faster and faster with a certain set of uh, tools in a certain environment and they can perform some tiny task. Uh, The classic illustration is putting heads on a pin, which is something people actually did by hand Hmm. uh, 100, 200 years ago. And, you know, it was was blinding, it hurt your hands, it hurt your eyes, but you got paid more. And, uh, you know, people hated it. And they hated it because they were, although they didn't understand it fully at the time, they were functioning like machines
0: mm. and
1: waiting until a machine was created. But um, the the big idea is that we're not made to simply produce as fast as we can to get as much money as we can. A lot of people work for money, I understand that if you work on an assembly line, uh, in, I'll just use American terms right now, um, $17 an hour, which is maybe, I don't know, $21 an hour in Australia you say, oh, that's pretty good work for, you know, pretty good unskilled labor. And I can, you know, if I live in the right place, I can actually have a, a job that takes care of me. And if maybe I have a, a spouse, we can, we can live all right that way. And, and so I'm not minimizing needing to make money, but um, long-term people want to do something they believe in. And it, it helps enormously if you can see what you're creating. Now you, as a chemical engineer, didn't see the whole process of the sign. But you could say, as I, you know, I've been with people. Go, I helped build that bridge.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And maybe they designed it. Maybe they helped pour concrete. Maybe they supplied, you know, some part of the steel. Whatever. Um, they can see the result. The problem is when you're you're um, part of a process that's almost entirely, um, I want to say, uh, hidden or veiled. And you barely know what you're doing, and so there's very little satisfaction in that. There are two solutions to it. One is to remind people that their work is actually more valuable than they realize if they would but open their eyes. So the, you know, this whole project actually started with uh, laments from truck drivers
0: mm.
1: who, who said to me, I was speaking about work one time. And he said, I don't do anything. I just, I just deliver cookies and crackers <laughs> and bread. And, uh, you know, he felt terrible. And I said, well, what are you gonna do? What do you want people to do? You want people to drive to the bread to the bread manufacturer? I mean, it's a useful service and we talked for an hour and eventually I persuaded him. But the other thing you can do is actually, um, and, and people do this more and more, like with a car, you can help people move around mm. and not just bolt the windshield into place endlessly, but do different things and actually occasionally take some time and watch some cars roll off the assembly line. People properly take pleasure in that.
0: And so, so then let, let more
1: is the idea, big idea.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I love in the book how you, you encourage the reader to, um, I guess, not just do the task that they've been given, but to think, how can I do this? To the best of my ability, what, can I see any improvements to this? Are there any little projects that I can add on that add interest yes. and value to the to the business or to the uh, work that I'm doing? Um, you know, if if we're talking about paid work, the example might be a, a factory worker, you know, who who often you know, on an assembly line often knows more about what they're doing than the engineer who built the thing does. Um, Absolutely, and they they can. Uh, you know, suggest improvements to management, or try it a different way, and, and improve things that way, or even ask to be moved around, like you're you were saying. Um, I I just really love that that concept of taking charge of of what you're doing and seeking to do it to the glory of God, to the best of your ability.
1: And um, sometimes that that does require people to be realistic and say, this is the principle: stay less, stay and less because. Uh, you know, stay where you are unless your boss won't let you, you know, share any of your knowledge or use any of your expertise and somebody else will. And you can make a better chair. I mean, I love to use the illustration when I speak in public of chairs that, you know, are uncomfortable versus chairs that are comfortable. And the difference is not always all that great in the actual structure of the chair, but some people understand the human body and wood better than others. Mm. And, you know, to make a chair that's comfortable to sit in for two hundred years, which can be done um, is a glorious thing
0: mm. yep
1: and I actually had a set of chairs that were remarkably uncomfortable. I bought them at a yard sale <laughs> and we, my wife and I were just as poor as could be, and so we had we had to sit in them for a number of years, and we just hated those chairs. <laughs> It's like, who made these? They have no knowledge of human anatomy at all. We gave them away eventually. (laughs) Um, We think the people who purchased them used them to start a fire.
0: (laughs) At least that's a useful task. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Following on from that, one of the the other things you say is – Two, two quotes from your book, I preside over one slice of God's world and hope to bring all God's truth to bear upon it. Uh, and then later you talk about this idea of calling and you say, I believe his first goal is not to find a calling, but to find himself or herself in the callings he or she already has. Right. Um, what, what does the world sort of tell us we should be doing in terms of getting a job what are, what are some of the different ways they see it as opposed to the yeah, idea that you're
1: Yeah, good question. Thank you, Tom. Um, opposite perspectives. One is uh, change the world. And my mantra is, well, change your corner of the world.
0: Mm.
1: Very, very few of us are going to change the world, but almost everybody can make the world that God's given us a little bit better. So, you know, the, the teacher of kindergartners is probably not going to change the world, but he or she can make the world better for those, you know, maybe boys or girls that have a little bit of maybe, maybe one stutters, maybe one is having a hard time with her letters. Maybe another one is sad because grandma died from COVID and boy, you can make those kids' lives better. That's your sliver of the, that's your slice of the world. that's your corner of the world. So um, you know, grandiosity is not our friend usually, uh, but neither is a sort of a fatalistic. All I'm going to do is get money for this. So that's that's the slice of the world. The two quotations I don't I didn't see them as as uh, the sliver of the world. I didn't see that as uh, them as necessarily closely connected. but um, why did you put them together those the two? Oh, because
0: I think that that's that you you're actually getting at the idea of uh, how to find the calling um, yep. the, the way you find your calling is to see what's in front of you and do it really well. Um,
1: yeah, so that's true. I was also. Yes, thank you. Uh, that's right. Um, the other issue about finding your calling is, is being willing to accept the fact that you've been placed somewhere, which may not be exactly where you want to be. So you and I are both in, you know, pretty vibrant cities some people are in small towns and for reasons of maybe familial loyalty, or maybe they, maybe they run a little, uh, a little business and people depend on them. They, they might want to leave, but they can't. Mm. And um, I'll just say, personally, I've, uh, I've been in St. Louis for 30, almost exactly 30 years. It's not where I was born nor where I grew up. Um, and, And my children and grandchildren all live here and Two of the you know, my one of my daughters and two of my grandchildren live literally a third of a mile away. And I've had some really interesting job offers that would have entailed moving away from St. Louis. And I decided not to do that. Mm. I decided that I should stay with my family. My job is interesting, but these other jobs are more interesting to be honest with <laughs> you. And I just thought, you know, my job now is, uh, you know, I'm a certain age, and and you know, I've got family who loves me, and we love them, and we want to help raise. We think it's good to help raise your grandchildren, and and so that kind of hemmed me in, and I I need to find myself here, even if my job isn't perfect. There's no perfect job, so um, we find ourselves given jobs, and we think I got to find my calling. No, find yourself in your calling, which might be something like caring for an aging parent mm. or maybe, maybe you have a single friend and if you left them, they would be abandoned. And, you know, you've come to appreciate appreciative value of friendship and so you're just not going to move to another city because of this friend. And you have to find yourself in the calling of friendship. Mm.
0: It, it It is interesting to me because as I've sort of moved jobs, if I ever move, move jobs, the the question everyone asks me is, "Oh, is this one better?" Mm-hmm. And I've personally, I've always found that a strange question because um, I've always tried to enjoy the job I had, and I've always enjoyed every job I've had, even working in a factory and all yes. the things like that. Um, but it it seems like there's this view that you have to just keep finding a better job, better job, better job, better job. Do do you think that's right or? Well, first of all, what's a better job?
1: Yeah. How, are, how are people defining a better job? Are they defining it as more money?
0: I, I don't know. <laughs> like I said, I've been stumped by the question.
1: <laughs> more leisure. I, have, I get to spend more time kayaking. Um, more power. I have more people reporting to me. Uh, fewer, you know, uh, fewer onerous tasks but I mean, there's always onerous tasks. So I I don't know, I don't, I'm like you, I don't even know what a better job is. I know that every time I had more power, I had more trouble. Mm -hmm. And every time I maybe earned more, I mean, I've gone, I've taken pay cuts voluntarily twice or maybe three times uh, in depending on cost of living adjustments, at least twice, maybe three times, I've voluntarily taken a pay cut because I wanted to do something else or maybe have a more sane life. So I don't even know, I'm like you, I don't know what a better job is. I, I a job, a good job is interesting. Something you believe in and pays enough for you to live. And the garbage aspect is maybe under 40%. Yep.
0: Um, now in Australia at the moment um, with, COVID restrictions that don't look like they're going to be changing any time too soon, Um, there's a lot of people who don't have work or aren't Mm -hmm. allowed to work. Um, It seems economically there there might be a growing growth in unemployment over the next couple of years and things like that. Uh, How does not working impact us as humans
1: yeah. I mean, you know, the stories I'm sure about world war two and you know, this, you know, the stories about those uh, POWs that were, you know, given jobs to do and, and life just was so much more meaningful for them. They could survive. And then when they ran out of work, they had them uh, dig a hole and move the dirt over here and then move the dirt back. <laughs> and and that, then they started going crazy. Really? Because, was meaningless. I mean, not all of them, but some of them, uh, found it to be, uh, emotionally excruciating. Even people who worked in munitions, you know, like peep captives who were put in munitions plants, uh, somehow did better when they were doing that. Although they tried to, you know, make, make it do it wrong a little bit so that the, you know, so that the shells wouldn't explode and so on. Um, so no work is very, very difficult for people. I would say to somebody who's not permitted to work, not knowing the details of the Australian situation, and if you can tell me about it if you, if you wish, but I would say find something else meaningful to do. Mm. And and that might mean volunteering in your church, volunteering in your community, building a garden. You always wanted to build a garden, build plant some fruit trees, take care of them, water them, um, make them pest proof, you know, work on projects in your house, Teach yourself a, a language you always wanted to learn. Um, start taking courses, you know, a distance education to build some skill set. Do something would be the most important. Get in shape physically, maybe, uh, if you've always meant to do that.
0: Mm. And
1: so these are some things I would certainly urge on people. And if I – I mean, I, maybe, Tom, you feel like an energetic person to me. I mean um, – I'm kind of a person with too much energy at times. So people could say, Oh, well, you know, that's, that applies to you people, but anybody, you know, there are people who've never walked around the block much and just walk around the block twice. Yeah. And pretty soon you can walk a mile. And then after a while you're walking two miles and you're finding it stimulating. Your mind is, is stimulated by walking briskly. And then you have ideas and it's, there's a, um, You know, we talk about vicious circles, but there's, there are also virtuous circles of activity, especially when, you know, we're brought low by not having a job, certainly and build your way out of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it was, um, I think it was Doug Wilson. He said when the, uh, the first colonists came to America, there were no jobs, but there was lots of work. Yes. Um, and so I, I, I think that that's such a helpful concept that you're bringing out that, we are made to work. We're made made to do meaningful work that fits within the creation mandate and the story of redemption. Um, And if we don't have a job, we should be working. Right. Yeah. Very helpful. Uh, And I guess following on from that, and and lastly, um, in in terms of the time that we have, um, is work just something for this earth or... Do you think in let's go speculative for a minute. <laughs> yes, thank you for saying that. I was going to say we'll we will now be speculating. Yeah, let's go ahead. let's speculate. I enjoy I enjoy speculating on this. Um right. the new heavens and the new earth when Jesus comes again and he brings the heaven down to earth and and recreates this world will there be work?
1: Uh, my my sense is yes, but no toil. Yeah, so okay. The uh, toil, of course, comes in through opposition, sin, you know, pestilence, bugs, diseases. Those, those will not exist. Um, it's, I, you wonder if there will be people who do things like sweep floors, mop floors. Will we still spill things? Uh, will we? I think it's possible because, you know, spilling things is clutziness, and it's, there's nothing sinful in it. And it can actually be funny. In a way, Uh, well, I mean, let me say this. Uh, I I knew you would react when I said that. I thought you would. Uh, So, I have. I am not an elite athlete, but one of my daughters is, or at least near elite, um, quasi elite, would certainly be fair. But um, she does very well in triathlons, and yet she still walks into walls in her own house regularly. It's not once in a while, but she's, you know, she's very she's athletic. She's spending too long
0: on her phone or something. Just
1: <laughs> she's always done this. She's always, she's always excelled at sports. And actually, she met her husband in uh, Perth at ah. the World Championships of Ultimate Frisbee, there which her go. team then won four years later in the Czech Republic.
0: Who so even knew that was a thing? Uh, World well, Championships exactly. of Ultimate Frisbee.
1: Well, there's actually about 10 million ultimate Frisbee players in the world, believe it or not. There you go. But that's, that's another point. Uh, the point <laughs> is that she's a very skilled athlete, and she walks in the walls, and everybody thinks it's kind of funny. Yep. It's not evil. And so we may be cleaning up messes, right, yeah, yeah, in yeah, the yeah. New earth, because to be sinless doesn't mean we're perfect in every way. For example, if you want to learn to play the oboe, Tom – do you think you'll learn how to play in five seconds, or it might it take you five years, like everybody else?
0: Probably five years, I imagine.
1: You know, process is part of who humans are, and so that will be work. Yep. You will have to learn how to play, and you learn by making mistakes and and saying uh, fiddlesticks, I uh, didn't do that right, and and so it'll be work. Yep. Uh, learning you know, woodworking um is work etc so i I, my my suspicion is that there will be plenty of work meaning concentrated activity uh, aimed at a goal
0: i I like to think i sell books for a living and i read a lot of them and uh, i like to think there'll be books in heaven yes i mean god's a god who loves words he's a wordsmith
1: yes why wouldn't we be wordsmithing and and writing books is work. Yep. At best it's pleasant work. And and editing books, some people like to edit books. And they they're important and they uh they'll probably keep doing it. They'll say things like, Dan, did you mean to say that? Really? Is that the word you wanted? And I'll say, Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm, other times I'll say, they'll say, is that the word you wanted? And I said, no, it's not. My spell check went amok. There you go. There you go.
0: And to extend it even further, I've been, I've been thinking, I'm just enjoying speculating with you. Yeah, um, sure. Worship, the word for worship, yes. has, has a, a concept of service and work mm. built in.
1: Yes, that's right. And so the, priest, right.
0: the priests, oh, You mean, you talk about Sabbath, um, mm-hmm. In your book, which is another topic I'd love to chat about, but we won't. Um, but the the we we struggle, I think, sometimes to get our head around the uh, double concept of worship and rest happening at the same time. Yes, and, we see, and because we see wo- worship as work, rightly so. Um, yes, and we see rest as not work, perhaps not rightly so, maybe.
1: Uh, yeah. So there's uh, y- you know there's uh, a book I didn't cite in my book. I'll hold it up. It's called When the Kings Go Marching In, Come Marching In by um, uh, Mao, Richard Mao, which was recently republished, second edition. And he, he talks about how his conception of eternal life, or heaven, if you will, changed when he was younger. It was more activistic, and now it's more passive. And so I think part of what's going on is people think of rest as a passive activity whereas maybe a better way to think about it is to think of what is restful and rejuvenating, and then that gives you room to think about activities that are restful because they're different from what we do the rest of the time. So I don't know. I'm just going to take a wild guess. All I can see is you from here, you know, like from your armpits above, but I feel like you somehow give off the vibe of an active person, like you run or hike or I don't know what you do. I would You'd love to not
0: as, not as much as I used to.
1: Okay. But you're an active person. And if you have ever been an active person, you understand that, uh, let's say working all day and then going out and running five miles, the, the running can be powerfully rejuvenating. Mm. Or if you live by the ocean, which a lot of Australians do, you know, getting out in the ocean, swimming around, maybe getting that kayak that I was mac- mocking a little bit earlier. Um, and getting out there is enormously reju- rejuvenating and in a profound way restful for our minds or our emotions, right? Mm. Even though we're exerting ourselves. It's not a contradiction, I don't think. It can yeah, be. I agree. When you're exhausted, you have to sleep, but I don't think it's a contradictory uh, rest and, and intensive um, effort are not contradictory necessarily.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I've In terms of... Um... Of worship and the Sabbath, I talk to people about how uh, they they say, "Oh, don't you going to church makes you tired, so you shouldn't do it because it's not restful." But I it's, I say, look, <laughs> <bad>. <laughs> the music was bad. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. Oh, I just find that um when I when I go and worship, even when I preach and and expend myself in that way, I often right. come away feeling yes, tired but rejuvenated, yes, and energetic and those those sorts of things. But uh, there's more of that in your book people can go to. Mm. One last question, sorry, just because I didn't ask it earlier and I'm kind of interested. You talk about work in your book um, as being primarily about meeting needs, meeting genuine needs. That's good work. Yes. Um, Where does work that relates to beauty fit in?
1: Yeah. So, um, it's just, you know, the comment about meeting needs is a good starting point. It's not the refinement. So, right. uh, you know, I'm basing it on Matthew 25. I was hungry and you gave yep. me food. Yep. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was in prison, which is, you know, when you visited me, that's, that's the emotional needs, psychological needs, et cetera. Um, and so then we can also derive from that, uh, cognate needs in, in an advanced society, which include communication, transportation, mm-hmm. And financial arrangements of various kinds, communication arrangements of various kinds. So I hesitate. I like your question because I hesitate to say beauty is a need. There's a part of me wants to say people need beauty, and you know I'm sitting here looking out at my um, at my yard, and um, my wife primarily I help her a little, but we have a lot of flowers blooming right now, mm-hmm. and you know they're pink and they're violet and yellow and orange and and uh, dusky dusky blue, um, do we need that? Um, there's a part of me that wants to say, yeah, I, we need that. Um, do we need it absolutely in the sense we need food? No. So that would be a fine topic to debate, um, but I, I do think that to flourish in full, people need beauty. Imagine life without music, for example. Exactly. It, it would be an impoverished life.
0: Yeah. Uh, Even I think, if we have all the food, we need I think, it. um, Voddie Borkum points out that in Genesis, when God's describing, um, the trees that he makes, yes, he says, there are some that are good for food yep. and there are some that are good to look at. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, Excellent. but we'll leave it put, there. <laughs> I should have put that in my book. <laughs> we'll, leave, we'll leave it there. Dan, it's, it's been great. Um, Chatting with you, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us.
1: Tom, thank you. I've uh, enjoyed getting to know you a little bit. And may the Lord increase the tribe of good booksellers.
0: Thank you very much. And uh, you've been listening to the Reformers Bookcast with Dan Duraney, uh, who has written around work, uh, Work That Makes a Difference, is his newest book. Uh, Get onto that. And if you would like to subscribe to the Reformers Bookcast, you can do that wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time.